Hello, I'm Des Dearlove. Welcome to the Thinkers 50 podcast. My guest today is Liz Mellon, author of Inside the Leader's Mind and chair of the editorial board of Dialogue, the journal established to encourage dialogue amongst leaders and managers across the world. Liz is also on the Thinkers 50 radar for 2016. Liz, welcome. Thank you very much. Nice to be here, Des. So, um, you know, we've been watching your work for a long time now, and you're obviously much in the leadership space. What are you working on at the moment? I'm working on something at the moment that I'm very, very excited about, um, because we're discovering some really fresh and new thinking about leadership, amongst other things. I'm looking at how you sustain high performance in organisations. Now, we're looking at organisations broadly. We're running the gamut. We're coming up from um, the commercial side through the charity side, out to the institutional side, so big organisations that have been around for literally centuries. But you're not, you're saying, I noticed the use of the word sustaining, we're not talking about how you get there, we're not talking about the good to great leap, we're talking about no. how you stay at the How you stay there, exactly right. So um, many organisations can make it or can make it for a time. We're looking at organisations that have sustained a high level of performance. I mean, they are world leaders, they are acknowledged as world leaders, and they're sustaining it not just for decades, but for centuries. How do they do that? What is the quality uh, that they have that is different than other organisations? So I know the research is still in progress, but yeah. what, what, are you, what are the interesting findings so far? Well, let, let me talk about it, about what's interesting, particularly to me on the leadership side, because obviously we're looking at the plumbing of the organisation. I'm working with operational strategists, lots of different people. We're looking at it from a very broad view. What I'm particularly interested in is obviously leadership, and we're discovering some new things. So we're discovering some old things, we're discovering some new things, and we're discovering some things that leaders actually don't do. So I guess there are three aspects to it. Okay, so let's take them one at a time. So you, some things that, that we perhaps thought we knew about leadership anyway turn out you're validating some things, you're finding, you're, dis, you're rediscovering some things we thought we knew anyway. Yes, and, and in a sense we're not so interested in what we're rediscovering, um, but obviously it's, it's useful to understand that the fundamentals of leadership are still in place. Things like um, inspirational leaders matter, you know, how they communicate, how they motivate people, that still matters. The risks that leaders take, all that still matters. So there are some foundations that are, are not being disturbed, if you like. But over and above that, we've discovered several things that they do differently, and a couple really stand out for me. Okay, give us, tell us, tell us a little bit about that if you can. Okay, right. So um, the first is that leaders in these sustaining high-performance organisations don't think about their personal legacy. So it's been very popular over the last five, ten years for um, leaders to talk about their legacy, what they leave behind. They worry more about, if you like, destiny. So they're not looking at what they're leaving, they're looking at how this organisation sustains its performance beyond their time in charge. Now, there, there, are, there are similarities here in, in terms of my own research earlier in Inside the Leader's Mind when I talked about the concept of On My Watch. And that's exactly what it is, but it's being it, it's coming at us from a different angle. So in, in some senses, it's what I know and believe, but it's not still widely, I think, um, held as a, as a leadership tenet. So these leaders look at their time as very much a time that they have in charge, but they're very conscious of what's gone before and they're very conscious of what's coming next. And when they hand it over, they don't want to see the organisation dip or flatline, they want to see it continue to go 
onwards and, and upwards in terms of excellence. There's, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, there's a kind of an echo of the of kind of mindfulness in this, almost that sense of being in now. These people are managing for the now, for the time that they're in charge, rather than living off some glorious past or projecting forward into some fantastic future that may or may not come. It, it, it's about doing the job well now. Is that what you're saying? It's about... It's about well, but they they also have a, have a look back and forward because they're very, very conscious about what they've inherited and the reputation it has. For example, if you're, if you're in charge of the Royal Ballet Company, you know, you, you have a sense of um, what you've inherited. But, and they also look at the future in the sense that what they're building now is the foundation for that future. But yes, they're very, they are mindful in that sense. They are, they are, they are operating for today to, to keep it at its absolute peak. Uh, of performance, but it's interesting because what it then links to is this this whole idea of risk taking. So we know leaders take risks, but the second finding that that is really striking from this research is that it's not just about learning from failure. You know, we talk a lot about how it's important to learn from success and from failure, and in fact, organisations still find that incredibly challenging. These leaders take it one step further, and what they they say is. If we try something new and we are immediately successful, we need to be wary because what that means is we haven't tried hard enough. So they're actually trying to push new projects, new initiatives, new ideas to the point of failure. They're more comfortable with failure because then they found they then they believe they found the edge. And it's only when you take the organization to the edge that you know where the line is between success and failure. So it's almost like high risk high reward. I mean, that, that just, I've that's, never seen that anywhere no, else. So that's, that's, that really, that's really, that is really, really interesting. interesting. Really yeah. interesting. And, and there's a third aspect to this, because you said there's some things, some sort of um, things that we thought were received wisdom about leadership, which perhaps turn out with these, in this special case of these sustaining leaders that, that, aren't, that aren't the case. Aren't yeah, true. I think there are probably about five things they don't do, but I'll just highlight one of those. They don't play the numbers game. It's not that they're not concerned about money. You know, they need money, they need, you know, paying customers, they need subscriptions, whatever they need, in order to fund their um, sustainability. Obviously, without that, they, they, will, they will fade and die. But they don't focus on the numbers first. What they look at is, what is our standard of excellence? Why are we cited globally for what we do? How do we um, focus on that excellence and through that, through looking at what we're delivering, why it's outstanding, then they expect the money to follow. Profits it, are a happy byproduct of exactly, but it's not. It's not the focus. You're not looking yeah. at growth. You're not looking at, at money. You're looking at the foundations of what you do and concentrating on continually building that excellence. And as a result, as I say, they've lasted for centuries, not just decades. Now you've, you've said that a couple of times, which is fascinating because companies usually, generally, aren't that long-lived. So, what sort of organisations are you looking at? Um, I don't want to reveal too much, <laughs> um, but certainly on the commercial side, we're looking at um, John Lewis, um, and on the at the other end, you know, we're looking at organisations like um, the Royal Ballet Company. So, we're looking at a, a whole range of organisations, but but co companies do last a long time. You know, if you, if you think about the um, the telecommunications divisions of Nokia, which was a, a world leader 
um, and then in 2008, and then it was essentially taken over by Microsoft in 2013. They'd lasted something like 148 years, I think it was the actual count. Mm. And, you know, what a shame that all that excellence wasn't sustained. So there are many commercial organisations around who have been with us for a long, long time, and I'm sure want to, to learn, to understand better um, what they're doing that is sustaining them, because anyone, apparently, uh, can fall at some moment, even those who have lasted, as I say, for, for more than a century. I remember a few years ago when Ari de Hus did his research into mm. you know, long-lived yeah. companies, and it was, it was fascinating that he did find a handful of companies which were, you know, had been at the top of the game for centuries, mm. companies that probably most of us hadn't heard of at the time. Mm. Um, I just wonder whether that's still the case, whether you know, we, the turnover, the churn in, in corporations seems to be accelerating. Do you have any sense of that? Um, I think it's a. I think it's a tougher global environment today, certainly for listed businesses, than it has ever been in the past. Um, a combination of global uncertainty, economic uncertainty, um, the resurgence of war, um, big question marks over capitalism and, and and how it's comporting itself. Large organisations who apparently can move around the the world and and avoid paying tax, and a stock market that is part investment and part spread betting. I think the environment for companies has never been tougher, and I think the pressure on leaders has never been greater. So I, I sincerely hope through this research that there will be some clues for people that might make their lives just a little bit easier and give them more confidence in what they're doing. It's interesting you mentioned Nokia because I mean, if ever somebody fell from grace quite quickly, I mean, one one moment it seemed they had the, you know the the the, the uh, mobile telephone market at their feet, number one handset maker. They just overtaken Motorola and they were flying. The number then, one, so so cool. All the kids thought they were Japanese. Well, Not Finnish. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and it's interesting how often that happens. Just as an organisation becomes number one, and it's almost the, and it's exactly what you're talking about. Toyota is another example. Mm. At that moment when they become number one and they need to sustain the success, that's quite often the moment at which they falter and something something goes wrong. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm curious to know whether that is because they maybe become entranced with the idea of being number one and then it's, it's, it becomes more about sustaining that ranking position maybe than focusing on what got them there in the first place. I don't know, it, but let's hope this research helps throw some light on it. And do you think there are lessons for other sorts of organisations? I mean, you mentioned the Royal Ballet, which mm. is fascinating. I mean, that would be really interesting to see what comes out of that. But um, what about an organisation like the NHS? Are there, will there be lessons for, you know, what can we learn them for them? Well I think the, the, the research um, looks at everything in the organisation as I say it looks at, at, at the um, it looks if you like at the McKinsey 7S so it looks at the, the, the warm square and the cold triangle it looks at people it looks at leadership it looks at structures it looks at systems it looks at processes um, and in all of those areas not just in my area of leadership we're finding some very interesting and new ideas so I would have I would I would say that there will be lessons for any type of organisation, principally because we're looking at a whole range of organisations, not just focusing on the commercial or the non-commercial. And when, when do we hope to see the fruits of your labours? I mean, when will this be hitting the, um, hitting the world? Uh, book out, uh, I'd like to say later 2016, but I think we're probably gonna creep into 2017 because it's a big research project. Liz Mellon, thank you very much. Thank you, Des.
Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.